Hello, travelers, listeners, and uh, however many names I've used for you already this year. Welcome to a new episode of the Indie Diaries podcast, and thank you for sitting around the fire with me again as we talk to a new indie developer from the indie game development community. This is your loyal Indie Diaries and host, Anthony L. Wolf. And as usual, before we dive into the episode, I want to shout out to my amazing patrons, Feinoko, Zagini, Fishbump Dev, and Peleg. You guys are beautiful your support every month really means a lot and uh you make this even more special every single month thank you so much for your support if you too listeners would like to support the show you can go to patreon.com slash the or the to find all the different ways in which you can get involved now before we get into the episode there is one thing i have to mention there were some audio issues audio track issues on jake's side for this one so you may hear a little bit of tapping i know it can get a little bit annoying i try to remove it as much as possible but yes unfortunately it's there all the same but i hope you'll stay because this is a beautiful episode so let's get into it All right, hello everybody and welcome to a new episode of the Indie Diaries podcast, the show on the human stories behind indie game development. Speaking to you today is your loyal Indie Diarist and host, Anthony L. Wolf, writer, narrative designer and senior content manager in social media. And I've got a very special guest with me today who's Jake from Nibble and Bite Games. So Jake, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you're based, and I hope I did say this, the name of your studio right. Yeah, you got <laughs> so, it. Okay, great. I've had Perfect. a few legal companies working with them call me and be like, "That's an interesting name." Um, uh-huh. But all right, yeah, I'm I'm Jake. Uh, I'm the I, I go with the term director for Nibble and Bite Game Studio, even though I'm the only employee that's like fully mm-hmm. on the roster. Um, started about a year ago working on our first real title. Um, during the day, I have a full time job doing something totally not game dev um starting a family got a 20 month year old daughter and a wife she's 29 she's not 20 months old but Mm -hmm. that'd be weird um (laughs) but i think that's kind of the groundworks uh i play i've been playing video games since i was about 14 um and ever since then i've wanted to kind of get into the industry in whatever way i can Mm -hmm. yeah yeah great and uh well, that's that's a great intro, and what I always like to do on these episodes is like ask a little bit of an icebreaker, which is uh, a little fun question to to start. So, if you could be any game's character for a day, who would that be, and why? I watched like three of your most recent episodes. I even knew this there question, you was, so you knew, you but knew. I'm still not prepared. <laughs> like, <All right. laughs> I'm still. I, I was like in the hour leading up to this, I was still like, what am I going to answer that question with? Like, cause I play a lot of like first person shooters, um, uh-huh. or like, uh, and, uh, like strategy games. So I think if I had, if I had to be a main character for a day, um, I feel like the, uh, the character from, um, Astroneer would be fun to be as in like this universe you could explore, but would be like equally terrifying. I don't uh-huh. know if that's like a cop out for not picking a named character, but I feel like, um that character being in that world would be kind of fun to have since you know like they say about our generation is we're bored too late to explore the world and too early to explore space so Uh, having those Mm -hmm. experiences i think that'd be fun and i like a challenge so and you like a challenge yeah of course of course you do yeah and uh we'll get to challenges and uh just 
development in general, your life later. But uh, I always like to start from the beginning for, uh, for these ep- in these episodes and for these episodes. So I wanted to think back to your childhood. Like, what is your, your earliest or fondest uh, memory that involves video games? My first, <laughs> my very first memory that involves anything to do with video games is I had the old uh, Game Boy, like the big gray brick when I was like mm-hmm. eight years old and I had, I don't even remember. It was a Mario game. And I remember always being so ticked off that I couldn't get past like the third level. And then <laughs> I put it down, came back. I don't even know how long later, but picked it up and actually got almost to the end of the game. And then like, why was this hard? But I was like, <laughs> I, like, what was I doing? Was I stupid? And I was like, Oh no, I was like eight. Isn't it always that way with challenging games anyway? Like, once you beat them, you're like, why, why was that even hard in the first place? It felt absolutely like a breeze. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it happens on a, a few games. Yeah, you beat it on, like, hard, and then you go back and replay hard, and, like, this isn't... I, I've mastered this, though. So then you yeah, go exactly. up to the higher yeah, difficulty. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's true. It's true. Yeah, I remember when I played, like... Um... I suppose when I played the first God of War on PS2, I remember, and I played, I loved that game so much, and I played every single difficulty level, and uh, I got to the end of, like, the God mode, and then once you start playing normal mode again, it's like, it's just, it's just too easy. <laughs> You're like, what, what is this? Yeah. So yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's a learning curve, and then you, you do things that you didn't know you could do, like, uh, just even with Doom Eternal, for example. The end is so tough, but if you go to the beginning, it's so tough for you because you've just started as well. But once you go to the end and you start again, you're like, wow, no, this, this, is, a be- this is a breeze. This is so fun. Um, it was actually the game that was in my head because I played it on uh, there you Nightmare, go. Yeah. I think it was. The one before I've, Permadeath. I, I haven't had the guts to play <laughs> Ultra Nightmare. It, it's I hard. I can do that. It took like 20 hours, but I played it on that. And I'm like, ah, this was fun. I want to replay it. And then I went back mm-hmm. and played the first one. Like, I'm so bored. Like, I've, I've beaten it on this crazy, sweaty, impossible difficulty, and then now I go back, it's like, I need, I need to find a new game, I guess. Well, yeah, uh, you're a Doom fan, so um, I guess uh, this this question might be, well, apart from Super Mario and such, I suppose you like shooters as well, and space games, which is pretty uh, <laughs> pretty clear from the game that you're working on right now, uh, which we'll get to, but... Which games do you remember playing growing up, and do you think they're having an influence on what you're working on right now? Absolutely. I mean, the my, the fondest memory I have, and I think I heard you talking to some of your other uh, interviewees about it, but uh, Halo Reach was like the first game that I got into. It was like, wait a second, this uh-huh. is what it can be? Like, up until mm-hmm. then, I had played like Mario Kart. I had played uh, my first GameCube game was Wave Race mm-hmm. Blue Storm, which is a jet jet skiing game then you get halo reach and like i need to know more i need to know more about it um <laughs> so like the um the name of my game is the fall of aether station and the the tone that i wanted to set is very similar to that of halo reach i wanted it to be no 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 the player will eventually lose kind of like mm. how um it, it's like it's first trailer i think when it came out was like from the beginning you know the end and same thing mm-hmm. with like uh, Project Zomboid, where it says, this is how you died. Like, I wanted to set that mm-hmm. tone, so I sent a bunch of the soundtrack to my audio guy. Um, but then the other game that I have, like, super fond memories of growing up with, with is uh, Star Wars Empire at War, which uh-huh. is the mechanical inspiration for the game. So I'm like, when I wanted to make a game, I was like, I want to make this 
or something like this, but I am not nearly a good enough programmer to do this. So how can I water it Yet. down? Yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I feel a lot better, but two years yeah, ago, it's just it's like, like yeah, just like this. playing Doom Eternal and Nightmare held difficulty. Yeah. Then you go back and you're like, well, actually, that was that wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. But so they're yeah. huge influences to me, and those are games that I like. Mm -hmm. I still go back and play a lot. Mm -hmm. Of course, you might remember this question from previous episodes, but when did you realize you wanted to become uh, a game developer? When did you realize you wanted to make games, move from playing them to making them? Was that like some sort of a uh, aha moment, an epiphany or something like that? So this I, this might sound like really corny or cheesy or even like mm -hmm. self-assured, but like um, I had had a YouTube channel where I was reviewing um indie games and like providing them development feedback and like giving them good mm -hmm. trying to give them in-depth play tests of things and i did that for probably three years um but i had never had a game of my own and i started mm -hmm. to kind of feel like an imposter of like well i don't have any of my own creativity out there i've never put myself out there for doing it so i'm like you know what i'm gonna make a really dumb game like i don't care if it's good i don't care if it looks good <laughs> plays good or fun i'm just going to get from start to finish through the process so i made it Great. i made a shovelware mobile game um okay. and then stopped for a while and then i tried to do a couple other games but the thing that kicked me into gear that was like all right i gotta i gotta figure this out uh, and this is where i it might be a controversial thing is um the launch of halo infinite okay it launched I'm like all right somebody's got to do something about this um i'd love the opportunity to do something about this but i have no resume like uh -huh. nobody's gonna hire me so it's like okay yeah. well now i actually need to make a good game to start proving that i can do something so the the launch of halo infinite was what kicked me in the butt and was like start doing this if you, if you want to be taken okay. seriously you got to do something all right mm-hmm yeah, well, that's that's interesting. I, I haven't had anyone saying that the launch of a game actually pushed them to uh, over the edge and to actually start doing games. Uh, that is that is well, Halo Infinite was an interesting launch. It was definitely. so much promise. <laughs> yeah. So much. Yeah. You look at the art and you see so much love from the art team, and mm -hmm. then you look at the management and you just. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Unfortunately, you know. I don't. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I. I don't think we'll. We'll ever know unless someone like I don't know Jason Schreier does like a whole yeah. rep report on it and such and uh, starts digging. But yeah, it's unfortunately the games industry and we we've seen from last year actually the games industry unfortunately is not in a great state right now. Lots of layoffs and studios being closed as there there always were. But at the same time, it feels like we like uh, so many people are just without a job right now. So uh it's not it's not the greatest industry to to be unless you're indie and uh, you have a dream and you want to uh make games for a living by yourself and such and maybe maybe you can find your own your own spot but like triple a's they seem like they're kind of falling to pieces lately yeah uh not all of them but some of them definitely so yeah and like, yeah you see on reddit like all the I was thinking about this and wondering if this topic would come up because it's such a big thing in the industry with like, I think it came out, what, 14,000 uh, mm -hmm. game developers were yeah. announced as layoffs in like the last quarter of yep. 2023. And I see... Imagine all those people having to find a job now. Like, well, I see... It's like, crazy. You see all these people talking on Reddit about like down on the industry and like, man, the bubble's popping. 
triple a studios are going to be just fine it's all us indies that are going to suffer and i'm like i don't want to get into an argument on reddit because you know that yeah but I, i'm historically bad at that and that's one of the areas that i'm trying to improve yeah. is not getting arguments it's, it's reddit it, it takes it out from, from, from anybody like yeah it's just but like, it happens one thing and i'm kind of leveraging your platform here to share something that i've really wanted the indie dev community no, to no, please do is, yeah like there is no Fact, fraction of the pie for indie games that is more equipped to handle a mm -hmm. bubble popping than the indie dev community. We're so agile. We can respond to these things so quickly. Like, I totally agree, yeah. When, when things are getting hard, there's two things you can do as a team. And this is what I take away from like my management experience, which I know I'll mm -hmm. talk about my job later. Um, but you can either shrink and just try and get through or you can retool your teams and thrive in this environment. And look at all the talent that's now on the bench. Look at all the talent that's looking for a new job. Indie studios should be looking at this as like a, a gold mine for talent for their studios. Is okay, that other guy that was gonna go and take a job for a crazy amount of money that we could never offer, now we can approach them and see if they have a passion for what we're doing and maybe they buy into our vision and can take it to that next level. Like. Mm -hmm. Indie games or indie game studios are just so equipped to handle that, and I, I wish more people in the industry would see it as a positive thing for them, and mm -hmm. leverage it to really make their dreams come true. Because I think this is yeah. another indie game gold rush we're coming up on. Yeah, it's 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 exactly the the thing that I, it's exactly what I meant uh, just a moment ago when I said that I think unless you're indie and you have a dream and such, because you know uh, indies are so resilient, like we. we indie developers i've spoken to over 30 different indie developers in the past year and they all strike me for the same kind of qualities and the same kind of qualities that i'm sure will come out during this chat from you as well which is indie developers are just resilient they they just uh, they just know how to bounce back they just know how to learn from their mistakes and pick themselves up up dust themselves off and go into the distance and just try and do something else uh that that might work better mm -hmm. um Triple A is, you know, it's a bubble. We know it's it's going to burst. I'm not sure it's going to necessarily burst burst right now because all these predictions and forecasts are always very, um, uh, very doomsday like. But at the same time, there there might be, as you say, another indie gold rush, uh, just like in the early, not early, but like first 2010s or something, um, or even a bit earlier than that. But yeah. But yeah, great point anyway. I totally agree with you. And um, when it comes to your management experience and such, so I know from your bio that you are a, um, that, that you work in aer aer aerospace software yep. uh, and you manage a team. So I suppose when you decided to become a game developer, you already had some previous knowledge and such. So did you study programming at uni? How, how did you get to your current job? Yeah, so there's a, there's a funny anecdote there is when I was playing mm -hmm. games as a kid. Uh, my mom told me that I'd never be able to make a living sitting in front of a computer. And I said, yeah. I'll show you. So I oh, went to I haven't school. I heard that story before. Yeah, <laughs> I, I went to school for software engineering, got a four-year degree, um, uh -huh. got a job right out of school as a software engineer working on uh, safety-critical airborne software. So wow, really high-rigor stuff, stuff mm -hmm. that um, if, it, if it fails, it somebody's going to have a really <laughs> bad day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you got to have all this really tight rigor and then going through that, um, there's a lot of standards, a lot of processes. Um, and I 
got up to being a manager pretty quickly, actually. I've, I've had a pretty crazy, fast-paced career that I'm really proud of. Um, mm-hmm. And to now have, being a manager of 16 software engineers um, working in a whole host of military and commercial projects. Um, and so that's where I've kind of like everyone, uh, not everyone, a lot of people talk about the hardest part of indie game development is not the development, it's the management and the discipline. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I, I already got that. Like, are you saying I already got the yeah. hardest part out of the way? And then mm-hmm. I was like talking to some people like, you know, mom, I haven't quite proven you wrong all the way yet. So, <laughs> but I'm about to. Yeah, I got, I got a little bit more to prove here. But I know I have, a, I have an amazing relationship with my mom. We, we said, yeah, she said that in her speech at my wedding. So Aww. she brought up that story. So, so yeah, okay, so she knows. Yeah, that's, it's, that's it's all an inside joke for us. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm the same. I mean, uh, I've, um, well, actually, I haven't... I don't think I suppose I'm not making money out of my passion for games. I kind of did for a little bit, but um, I was a games journalist. But even then, it wasn't really money. It was just more passion and just trying to build my experience. Um, but I've, I've always wanted to be a writer, and uh, fortunately, my parents kind of supported that from the start. Although you know, office jobs and uh, fixed um, uh, how how can I say like uh, permanent. Uh, job, uh, job and workplace and such. So th- those are like kind of the things that um, my parents' generation from Italy has aspired to. Just having one job to stay in the rest of your life because it would give you financial security and a way to to make to create a family. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my case, I mean, the, 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 I, of of course, I've got self doubt because you know writing doesn't necessarily always pay the bills. Uh, I had to carve my own way, but uh, I do get uh, totally what you say. And uh, I do hear from a lot of people that, uh, um, you know, artists or creative people or even developers who wanted to make games for a living that maybe they didn't always have the support from of their parents. Uh, but it's I, I think it's normal. Like our parents are there to encourage us and protect us from harm. Um, so that's what they always try to do, depending on what they think they know is best. Um, but yeah, so I guess we can actually for for this question. Usually, it's about game development, but mm. in this in your case, maybe we can um, we can talk about something else too. Is there a particular development challenge that has left a mark on you? And if and if so, any big learnings that you want to share for other devs? And it looks like you're working in, as you mentioned, a very tightly regulated sector. Mm-hmm. So I suppose you will have some stories from there, maybe. Oh man, um, it's kind of just <laughs> an <sighs> like I can't talk specifics. About my dad. Of course, job, of course. Um, the limits of what you can share. Yeah, um, I know there's a lot of challenges, um, and there's kind of like a grouping of challenges that I would say, um, and kind of like when I talk to, and hopefully this gives some people hope, but like when I do interviews to hire people at mm-hmm. a day job, um, it has it comes down to rules. Um, mm. Rules are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Some of those are not as good of a reason. And some of those rules are, it's not that they're meant to be a broken, but they're meant to be like discussed and dismissed. Mm-hmm. Some rules you only break because you know why it's okay to break them. Yeah. Like um, speeding on the highway. Uh-huh. That's, that's, a, that's breaking a rule. Yeah. But say you're trying to get to like a loved one in an emergency an officer's not going to give you a ticket for that because they understand you know the rule but this is a Mm -hmm. scenario in which it warranted breaking the rule well there's the same Mm -hmm. kind of rules in like 
um, certification. There are mm-hmm. certain rules that are, you should do this. But there are select scenarios in which it's okay to not, and the people auditing you are not going to tell you those reasons. But mm-hmm. if you bring them to them, they'll think about it. And so the biggest challenge is learning those lessons of, okay, well, in my code, I can't do this. Uh-huh. Usually. <laughs> but maybe this time I can get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, like, I have a good reason. Uh-huh. It's safe. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's not going to... The big thing in... uh aviation is determinism um uh-huh. so it's okay if it fails as long as it fails exactly the same way every single time all and, right in okay, a okay. predictable and well-defined mm-hmm. way um so knowing and being able to say like look here's the evidence it's safe but it's not great um we also i guess that's that's kind of the main theme i, I and i a thing came to my head is um so in um embedded software uh you have your code you don't have direct access to it it's not just running mm-hmm. it's not running on your machine it's running on a processor that's embedded inside a an fpga so it's got like three or four layers before you can actually see the source code and sometimes you can't like hook up a device like a debugger to look into it um, but we need to read things real time. Like we need to see what variables are changing, what the code's mm-hmm. doing. Um, so the, the code ran at like basically a nanosecond per cycle. Like this loop completed yeah. once every nanosecond. So variables were updating every nanosecond. So I came up with the idea of, well, what if we just wrapped it all in a true false thing uh-huh. and just blipped true on one of these variables so it only ran a cycle when i want it to that way right. the code thinks it's running at full speed mm-hmm. but it's actually running at the speed that i want it to so I, we wrapped yeah, the same. whole software in this little introduced loop. an element of control of course yeah. yeah so that way we could step kind of through it and that was i know it sounds really simple and dumb but we were it, it took a while to get to it because we were so focused on trying mm. to find a smart option. And I'm like, okay, well, we haven't found a smart one. So can we go with my <laughs> dumb one now? Yeah. The, the time for smart ideas has passed. Yeah. Now it's time. Well, for I guess dumb it's always ideas. like that, isn't it? When you're trying to solve some sort of coding challenge or something like that, it's always like when you get to the solution, you're like, was it that easy? But then you have to spend like hours and hours trying to think about what the solution might actually be. Now, in your case, the dumb solution probably came to you right away. But um, but they were trying to look for a smart solution that never came. So in the end, you could have saved all the time, most likely, and probably money in that case. And to be clear, um, they said my idea was dumb, and I agree. I yeah, agree no, it was yeah, a yeah, dumb absolutely. idea. <laughs> like, they were right to dismiss it as a dumb idea. Uh-huh. They were absolutely yeah. right to dismiss it, but it works. So yeah, I guess. it's not that yeah. I was like, oh, pushed to the wayside because I had a dumb idea because I was a junior engineer. Yeah. No, my idea was dumb. It was a dumb idea, <laughs> yeah. but it worked. It was a dumb idea. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, well, um, another point from, from your bio, and this is where we, we start getting um, a bit closer to game development now again. Uh, in the bio you share with me, you mentioned having suffered from undiagnosed ADD. Mm. Um, now, of course, I know you are comfortable talking about it, but if you are comfortable talking about it, what have you learned from that period when was still undiagnosed, and what learnings might you have with uh, what you have to share with with developers who might be struggling with similar feelings? So, 
it, it was I didn't get diagnosed until maybe three years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. I tried some medications in like early college, but I never liked how they made me feel. Um, I never mm-hmm. got a formal diagnosis, so I, I didn't keep with it. Um, I always kind of struggled in school. Like I, I joke around that I was smart enough to be the dumb kid in the advanced classes. <laughs> so, um, but I never really knew why that was. And no one in my family ever really knew why that was. Um, they were very supportive in trying to figure something out, but it was like something that never occurred to us. I never really talked about how I was feeling or how I was mm-hmm. doing things. And it was like days where I'm feeling down and can't figure it out. And like, well, what the heck is wrong with you, dude? Like, just do it. Like, just get up and do it. And it got to the point where I was feeling like actual pain in my arms when mm-hmm. there was a task where I had to do. And my brain was like, no, I don't want to do this. Like my mm-hmm. arm would like sometimes lock up. And I had no idea what that was. Turns out I found out that, or at least I'm pretty sure that it turned out to be uh, executive dysfunction, just Mm -hmm. my body actually fighting back. Um, And then what I found out, uh, sorry if that vibration came through the mic, um, it had to do with, it was just boring. Like it was always tedious and boring tasks. Um, So I started looking for ways to make things fun. Okay. If it can't make it fun, can I make it a challenge? Can I make it harder than it needs to be so then I can finish it faster than I would have if it wasn't harder? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that kind of led to my whole philosophy in game dev that's really helped me like move along and really helped motivate me is if it's not fun to develop, it's probably not going to be fun to play. So if my, Mm. I will continue to develop a game until it stops being fun to develop. Mm-hmm. And this game I'm working on now, the Fall of Aether Station, it has there's been a few times where it has not been fun to develop, and so I set it down, and maybe I didn't come back to it for a month or two, and I worked on a couple other prototypes that didn't make it as far, mm-hmm. but were fun to develop. There, yeah. I've kind of tricked my brain into seeing that playing a video game and making a video game are the same activity. So. Now it's it's all fun. Like my brain's like, I want to do that. That is dopamine that I can I can get access to and enjoy. There are challenges there that I've never conquered before, and it's really helped turn like the development experience from what might be like a grind to something that it's it's a really fun game for me. It's not oh no, I have to solve this problem. It's oh man, I can't wait to see what it looks like when I solve this problem. Right. Hmm. I can see, I can see what you mean, and uh, of course, you know there will be times when your game doesn't feel fun anymore to develop. But it's great that you was, you were able to first off just take a break from it because it's something that a lot of people recommend just to take a break and then go back to it uh, when you feel like it, and uh, you've always been able to then find the fun in what you were doing. Mm-hmm. It's a great, great learning and great, uh, uh, great tip for anyone struggling with with similar uh, experiences and such. But but then you know. Um, We've talked about aerospace software here and there, but I can see, like, and also from your interest in sci-fi, where the fall of Ether Station might have come from. So now that we got to your game and your current project, we want to say a bit more about what it is and uh, what inspired it, possibly. And, um, of course, I know the release date, but feel free to talk about that late, you know, that too. Okay, the release date may have shifted a little bit since we Never mind, so, then. <laughs> it's very close, it's just we moved it yeah. back a little bit. Uh, and that's actually an interesting discussion. Um, yeah, yeah. But, 
So the inspiration for the game, like I said earlier, I played a lot of Star Wars Empire at War. um, And I really like real-time strategy games. So, like, I spent a lot of time playing... um, you might have heard of it beyond all reason earlier this year, which is a, like an indie RTS game that really took off. And I Q2 have not this heard, year. but I will, I will look it up. Yeah. It, it, it's great. It's like a, okay. it, I don't need to go into a spiel for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not here to talk about that game. <laughs> okay. perfect. Um, but I wanted to create something that is unique um, to some extent, but like my real mission for this game uh, like I mentioned, I made that mobile game that was really trash, and uh, the objective of that one was to just get through the process. What does it take mm-hmm. to release a game on the Android marketplace? What does it take? Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's good. It was a it was a maze solving game that I tried to t- express some creativity in there um, with some interesting game modes. They're not mm-hmm. that fun. Don't look it up. That's um, all right. Yeah. <laughs> then the but, next- uh, so- sorry to interrupt there. Then and. Uh, not necessarily in the practical way, but what does it take, do you think? A lot of patience. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of skills you need to learn, like how do you hire freelancers? How do you vet freelancers? Like, uh-huh. um, Especially on a marketplace like Fiverr, where they could just go over to somebody else's marketplace, right-click, save image as, and upload all those assets right there like how Mm -hmm. do you how do you vet them how much do you pay them like what's what's a Mm -hmm. fair wage um people sometimes say and i've said this before too and i'm not super happy with it but it's kind of the answer i've had to go with as well i mean if i was offering too low nobody would take it um but how do you how do you determine that then you have to figure out well how do you want to present yourself to the public um what what are the certification standards for mm-hmm. a mobile game? Google has a lot of them. Um, how do I make money off of it? Um, so I'd for that game, I'd honestly say it was thirty percent development, seventy percent process. Like mm-hmm. it was kind of a grueling experience. I found some ways. I I work in Game Maker Studio too. Um, so I had to learn an engine. I had no idea how to use the engine. I had just mm-hmm. seen a lot of games use it. Um, so that's what went into that one. I, I know I kind of just glossed over a lot, but uh, that's kind of where those are the things that I set out to get my first experience with. In that mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it sounds like a lot, but, uh, and, and especially in the mobile market, which uh, is, is heavily regulated in some, in, in some stores, like, as you say, Google, uh, has a lot of certifications and such, but yeah. But back to Weather Station now. Yeah. So it, and after that game, I worked on another one like a year later. Which my mission in that one was to make something unique. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make something special. Um, still wasn't really concerned with it being good though. That's it's, I'm right. saying that because that's important. Um, I just wanted to see. Okay, so now that I've learned the process and I've put out a game, now I'm going to make something that I want to make. So I came up with this idea where you had to like keep track of something on both sides of the screen and mm-hmm. movement on one side impacted the other. And it was, it, I think that one's actually pretty fun. If you have ADD, uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I found out from my wife that it gives her anxiety oh, um, no. <laughs> and some people motion sickness, but uh, that was me taking what I'd learned and actually vetting an artist going mm-hmm. on Reddit and trying to find in like game dev classifieds, like people that are good at this and actually vetting some people. Um, I got that the first game I did, I got out in six months. That one I got out in seven. 
I say start mm-hmm. to finish. And then after that, um, I showed my boss at work the game, and he's like, oh, this is okay. You know, I'd kind of been thinking about making a game like this, and then I went home that night, prototyped it, showed it to him, and he's like, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And then um, I made, I hired some people to help out with graphics and audio, and it's like, okay, I've proven to myself that I know the engine. And then I yeah. didn't have a goal, so like now I have three mobile games out there. I've made... I made $1 off of all three. Um, <laughs> I made $1 in ad revenue. Well, you still made $1. That was my first dollar. That was my first dollar. <laughs> that was your first that's, dollar. That's yeah. a huge milestone. Like, uh-huh. um, now I've, I've made a dollar. I've turned a gross profit. Um, and I have released three games. Mm-hmm. I've done way more than most gamers. I was pretty happy, yeah. so I stepped aside. Mm-hmm. Then the whole thing with the Halo Infinite coming out, and uh, I'm like, well, I need a goal, so what's my goal this time? And so this game is finally, I want to make a good game, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do what it takes. And I wanted to make something challenging. I wanted to make something that breaks the standards a little bit. So I took a tower defense game, and I'm like, how can I make this a little bit different? So I added in like ship customization. So I took the from Star Wars Empire at War, each ship had like hard points that you could attack specifically that were a specific feature on the ship. So like I really like that idea. I think that makes a lot of sci-fi sense. Mm-hmm. So I put hard points on my ships and I let you pick which weapon can be in those hard points. You can pick any weapon in the game and put it on any ship you want up to its hard point maximum. Like that's cool. What else? Well, in Bloons Tower Defense, I really like their upgrade tree, but I think it can go further. So I made an upgrade tree that you mm-hmm. can upgrade everything however you want. Um, and uh, you can do your playstyle. Okay, cool. What's the other thing? Well, there's always easy, medium, hard difficulties. But I've been watching a lot of stuff, and I, I really agree with um, some YouTubers on... Well, difficulty is kind of dumb. It doesn't mm-hmm. really make a whole lot of sense. So I'm going with the philosophy of I want my game to be easy, medium, hard, and impossible all at the same time. Right. So the difficulty ramps up in each wave, each wave, but it's divided into like this is the easy set of waves. All right, mm-hmm. the next set of waves is That's, normal. That that sounds like a great approach actually, because this way you're able to build pace. Like mm-hmm. you can just you can just keep the player engaged with different types of pace. Like at some point it's just a bit more easy, a bit more relaxed, and then ramps up, and then it just goes down again. I think yeah, that's uh, that's a great way to to approach the difficulty. But then originally that game was only supposed to take a year to develop. So uh-huh. uh, that game, this game. Um, and then I got it out to playtesters, and people started playing it. And I got probably the most crushing feedback that I could possibly get after all oh, of what no. I just talked about was, oh, it's a tower defense. <laughs> oh, no. And I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't do it. And this is another one of my philosophies. Um, the harshest feedback is no feedback. Because it's no, yeah. your game wasn't even worth criticizing. Like, <laughs> that's how I interpret it. It's your game was so middle of the road that I can't even think of anything bad to say about it. Like, it's, yeah. it's so useless. Crushing yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't know which direction to go, but you've told me I desperately need to go a direction. 
<laughs> so it's the tower defense. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, I was trying to make something unique. So then over the summer, I had, I was like, all right, I need to hire a game designer. Like, I'm really confident in my abilities to design this video game, but I am getting in my own head. I have been mm-hmm. staring at my own code for too long. I, mm-hmm. I can't see the forest from the trees. Yeah. Or whichever way that phrase goes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I brought in a designer, and it's like, they didn't do a whole lot, but they gave me, like, probably the most valuable idea to work with is it's too static. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's it, the movement because you can move your ships around in real time um and i wanted that to be a huge thing and they're like well there's no there's really no reason to like yeah you can and it's fun when you do but there's no reason to mm-hmm. and so i'm like okay what if i made the path dynamic what if i made the path learn how you were playing and try and counter that and so that was a huge coding challenge. Um, and I actually feel like I've kind of invented something with that. But so <laughs> the, the, the AI knows where you've gotten good at killing it. So it knows where the funnel point is. It knows where the pinch point that right. you've created mm-hmm. that you're used to doing in like Bloons Tower Defense. Mm-hmm. And it goes around it. It changes its path to avoid that area. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. now you need to like, now you need to um, move your ships around. You need to reposition. Um, I also have the ships fighting back, so your mm-hmm. own units can die. So you need to defend them. Um, so like, okay, now there's a reason to move, but people were saying, well, it's still not quite, still not quite good. It's like this is a major step. Now I'm getting positive feedback and negative mm-hmm. feedback, not as many okay. meh feedback. Okay, I'm getting more okay, of okay. the it's not for me. So I'm like, okay, I changed and something good happened. And then, so it's, it's too, it's too short. Like the, the levels are too short. So I had needed to find a way to not only have pathfinding that was dynamic mm-hmm. and it's not just pathfinding with blockers. It's uh, I call it a, a resistance based pathing. Um, now I need to layer that on and create like mandatory points for my path and move it around. And then people were like, Oh wait, hold on a second. You might be onto something here, guy. Like I started getting more of those. I'm like, all right, we're we're walking Perfect. the line. Okay. Like, we're we're working uh-huh. our way there, and that's that's where we are today. Is we're continuing to get more and more of those. Okay, hold on, hold on. You might have Perfect. something here, yeah. bud. Yeah, well, we, it sounds like a lot of things happen. Like the game changed in a lot of different ways, but uh, it sounds like it's on the right path. So I guess my next question then would be: If you could go back, is there anything you would change about how you developed your game now in hindsight? Apart from, you know, having all of these ideas at the start. but <laughs> Yeah, that's probably the most crippling thing about all of this. <coughs> Excuse me. No worries. Um, if I were to go back and start over, I think I could develop this game in three months. Mm, and yeah. I'm coming yeah. up on the two-year mark. <laughs> <laughs> like, if, I, if oh. I didn't have a full-time job, and I knew then what I knew now, just about the engine. Um, yeah. The, the first thing is... Um, and I kind of knew this going into it, but I wish I had leaned into it more. Write code as if you have to rewrite it three more times. Mm-hmm. Like, don't develop a system that's going to suck to redevelop in three months. Mm. Once you've forgotten <laughs> all the things, like in your comments in your code, like your header functions in your code, write mm-hmm. the lessons learned about why you did yeah. it that way. <laughs> like, save yeah. yourself the headache. Because um, this is yeah, one of exactly. the things you have to do in like in aerospace. Um, 
once you're done with the project, it's, you're not done with it. That mm. is the start of life of the mm -hmm. project. And you need to be able to support it for its entire service life, which might mm -hmm. be 50 years. So okay. when you set down a piece of code, you need to make sure that if somebody comes and asks you in 20 years how this works, you, know exactly you can how figure it, it out. Mm -hmm. And then you have out. to take it a step further. In 20 years, if you're long dead, <laughs> can someone else pick it up and develop it? Yeah. Uh -huh. So I try and approach my code with that mentality of just like, okay, if I have to come back to this in a year, am I going to hate my life while I do this? <laughs> so it's like, okay, so rewrite it now then. Don't, don't wait a year. Redo it now. Make it modular now. Um, mm -hmm. And I wish I had leaned into that heavier because now I have some tools that are like way easier to work with. My code is way more modular. I get a ton more reuse out of my code. So before I'd write a line of code and it would execute once in a loop. Mm -hmm. Now, when I write a function, it might execute 20 or 30 times in that loop. So instead of writing one line of code to get one behavior, now I've written one line of code and I get 30 behaviors out of it. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. my coding is so much more efficient. Mm -hmm. I see. And bug yeah. finding is way easier. Yeah, well, of course, then uh, it makes, makes things a lot easier. Yeah, you know, designing good code is an art. Uh, I always say that, mm -hmm. and I've always heard from everybody. So, yeah, it's <laughs> it, it takes time and practice, but yeah, you know, uh, sustainability is very important. Mm -hmm. And I guess now we get to my favorite question out of, these, of this entire set, and you probably know already what it is. Based on everything you told me today, why do you think you are a game developer? What is it that drives you forward? There's a lot of reasons. Um, mm -hmm. I want to have fun, mm -hmm. for one thing. Um, the other is I kind of I want to be self-employed. Like I want to be able to wake up on mm -hmm. a nice summer day mm -hmm. and uh, wake up my daughter and say I'm not going to work today. Let's go do something fun. Let's let's have a let's have a snow day. Let's let's have a fun day at the park today. Let's let's do something. A snow day in summer. <laughs> yeah, I know. I heard it too. Like as I said that, I'm like somebody's gonna say this, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna correct myself. So like, a snow day in summer. That's yeah. that's a good image anyway. Yes, yeah, so, um, <laughs> depends yeah. where you are. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's it, yeah, it's 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 a beautiful beautiful thing to basically freedom. You're telling me freedom from anything but yourself. Yeah, and, like, I want people to have fun. Like, I want to make something that people enjoy. Like, I want to... Mm -hmm. It's not... I don't want to be, like, remembered or, like, oh, you're this huge... I don't, I don't have aspirations to be, like, Phil Spencer or anything. Okay. Um, but I do want... Like, I, I would love it if one day, like, I hear people saying, oh, Nibble and Bike Game Studio. Yeah, they make good games. No. Oh, mm -hmm. that, would, that would be, like, I've done it. Warm and I fuzzy have, feeling, I, just right there. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Yeah. And like, I'd love to. The biggest thing that I want to do, or one of them, like in my day job, is I like helping people in their careers. I like right. working. Mm -hmm. uh, mentorship is kind of uh, that's why I'm in management. Like the servant leadership, the the thing. Um, so if I can, I, I want to bring as many people along with me on my journey. I want to uplift as many people as I can. That may not have had an opportunity to do this, but they have great ideas. They have great skills. Like they have the right aptitudes, but they don't, 
they don't have the management abilities or they don't have the connections or stuff like that. Like I'd love to mm-hmm. bring people along and imp- improve the industry as a whole, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, those are all great reasons actually. Uh, some of them I may have heard before, but a lot of them I definitely have not. Um, so yeah, especially the, I, I like the image of you, of, of someone, you of, of course, waking up on a summer day and be like, yeah, I don't want to work today. I just want to spend some time with my beloved, with my loved ones and my, mm. my daughter. That's, uh, that's great. And yeah, I do, I do wish you, uh, that you actually do. I, I, I'm, I'm supp- I suppose you can, you, you will get there because you have a lot of passion and dedication for what you're doing. You have a lot of method and that mm. is not something that everybody has method and discipline. So I think. Um, I do wish you all the best there, but we're not there yet with with wishes and such, uh, because I have a couple more questions for you. And uh, I guess the counterpart of this question that I've already that I've just asked you is, what drives you backwards? Like, what is your biggest struggle as an indie developer? Yeah, there's a lot of those too. Um, imposter syndrome for one. Uh-huh. You, pro- you probably hear that one a lot. I've heard that, yeah. Especially yeah. <laughs> from like people that are successful. Um, mm-hmm. What else? The the phenomena, not phenomena, but like you have to like uh, you have to buy your own shit, you know? Like mm-hmm. you got to believe in yourself enough for 20 people because sometimes it feels like for every one person that supports you, 20 don't believe you'll make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you got to when it's just you, you got to overcome that like really hard. And so pushing through those mental barriers of yeah, you're right. 80% of indie games make less than $1,000, 90 mm-hmm. less than 10 and I think it's only like 4% break above 100 It's like, well, if I spend two years on this and I only make 90 well, I was definitely mm-hmm. better off just working overtime at my job mm-hmm. instead of putting all my time and resources into this because it costs money. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't have a publisher. It's just me. It's my own wallet. It's however much I make at my job. And after I take care of my family and stuff, that's how much I put into it. The the financials are tough. Um, What else in there? Um, Scammers suck. (laughs) I've gotten scammed twice. (laughs) Luckily, not for too much. And one of of them was a pretty good scam. I'll I'll give it to them. The person that scammed (laughs) me the first time was like, all right, you got me. I played EVE Online for the longest time. So Mm -hmm. I I felt like I'm pretty good against scammers. Like I'm pretty good at recognizing that. The other one, I was just being dumb. I should (laughs) have known. My my faith in humanity won out when it shouldn't have. Yeah, Um, well, uh, it it does happen, unfortunately. Uh, scammers, especially some of them, are really good at pulling at your heartstrings. Some, some uh, of them are really good, yeah. Incredibly good, um, but yeah. Uh, so those are the two. I guess it's it's fine. I mean, if you if you don't think there's anything else, you can leave it there. I think you've said some really, really important things there already. I think the the last one is just understanding that, like, if this game doesn't do well, mm-hmm. that's still part of the plan. My right. whole plan is in order to be a self-sustaining indie company, I personally believe that I need to get five games out there. Yeah. No, and this is, just, this is just number one. Yeah. So if this one does better than zero, I'm on plan. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going according to plan. Anything yeah. above zero is, hey, we're doing great. We're, we're trending mm-hmm. the direction we want to be. Yeah. Just um, 
you know, giving yourself the time to succeed because, of course, you may pour all your heart and soul into a project and then it's hard to see where you're going. But mm -hmm. uh, but I see I see exactly what you mean. Um, well, I guess we just have a couple of questions left. Uh, and these might be a bit more fun. One of them will not necessarily be, might be a very deep. Um, but say, so imagine writing a letter to yourself, but three years younger, which is around the time when you said you, you discovered that you had undiagnosed ADD. What would you say? Or you might go even uh, further back than that, because, you know, you might want to send an encouragement to your former self even before you find that out. Uh, this is going to sound cliche, but um, start. <laughs> and All right, yeah. I, the only thing I would <laughs> add to it is just start right. Set up your mm -hmm. set up your uh, your agile stuff. Set up your Trello, your whatever backlog management system you do. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it, that's it, yeah. Just, just get at it. it. Yeah. Like, um, mm -hmm. You don't know how much time you're gonna have like for free time going forward, um, but you know how much you have today. So if it's what you want to do, do. I like, like that. You don't know how much like time you have tomorrow, yeah. but you know how much time you have today. So spend it, mm -hmm. use it, um, but don't lose sight of the other stuff. Like make sure that if mm -hmm. this fails, like you don't regret like how you spent your time. It's a really good point. And I really like what you said about you don't know how much free time you're going to have tomorrow, but you know how much you have today. It's, uh, it's, it's something that I don't remind myself nearly as often as I should. Um, so, well, I guess this might be a fun question just to wrap it up. If you had unlimited budget and time, what game would you create? That's a really good question. Because so this is the thing that I hear from people that they say it's, it's kind of weird and abnormal, but I don't know if it actually is. I don't have a dream game. Mm. Like, there's no... I mean, like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd, I said, like, I'd love to work on Halo, but, like, since then... Um, like it's, it's grown into such a bigger dream than that. Like to thinking mm. like, would I even want to take a job at a different studio? Like if I, if I could, mm. um, so if I had unlimited time, so that was what you just saw was my ADD taking my brain someplace else. And I had to reel it in and be like, no, 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 that's the question he asked. <laughs> We're going in, that yeah. direction. Not that way, uh -huh. that way. And that's uh -huh. why your backlog management uh -huh. is so important. Okay developers because mm -hmm. your brain does that too yeah. <laughs> it's not just add it's just it's really strong for me um i don't know if i'd need like an unlimited budget for the games i want to make like i can't right now for the life of me i can't think of a game that i would need more than a million dollars to develop um mm -hmm. i'd love to take the fall of aether station which is currently a 2d top down um, I'd love to take that in the future. It's not going to be the next game, um, but somewhere down the line, turning that into like a 3D, um, graphics-heavy kind of game, which I'm probably naive in thinking that would be under a million. Um, I have a few ideas for games that I want to create yet. Um, the next game I want to make, I want to make it. So I've made it. I'm making a good game. The next game I want to make is a beautiful game. Something that cl I could classify as wow, mm -hmm. this is this is visually a work of art. Like this is beautiful to look at. I think I think the Fall of Aether Station is quite beautiful. I really love the art style. Um, mm -hmm. 
it, believe it or not, but it's done by three artists that never once met each other. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if that's a credit to my directing ability or the dumb luck of me thinking that I could do it with three different artists. Um, it's probably the latter. Um, I kind of want to do like a like a tribute to Pikmin almost at some point in time. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. I want to make a horror game. I have an idea for that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's anything that's like, man, if I could develop anything right now what with that unlimited money. I think those are those are the things. I want to make a factory game, I want to make a beautiful game, and I want to make a horror game at some point. Mm-hmm. Those are those are the three the three games on my list and yeah. Well, with enough budget, the horror game could become a nice marketing um machine for your other yeah. games too because then if 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 it's another lethal company or another i don't know there's uh so many another slenderman or whatever they are then another yeah. visage all of those horror games that become viral because influencers mm-hmm. play them i'm um, working in social media i know how powerful influencers can be so horror games yeah we talked all about the way. Hot takes a little bit earlier but um my my hot take is lethal company isn't a horror game it's a comedy <laughs> yeah no it's true it's true it's very true uh, when you play it with others yeah. it's just so fun it's, but yeah it's, and that's kind of why i yeah. think i'll need five games um to get out there is because mm-hmm. i think i'll need a couple of games to just establish the name in the community and then the last two will be like real shots on goal you know like all right we're, we're going big this time mm-hmm. well i think it's time for some parting words now i would say Thank you so much, Jake, for for being um, for being my guest today. It's been lovely speaking to you, and we've raised some interesting points, some very important points too. Um, I guess my next question for you, and final question, would be: Where can other people find you? And if they do, what is the best way to support you? Uh, so the best way and the primary way is find our game on Steam, uh, the Fall of Aether mm-hmm. Station. Uh, Wishless, like waking up every morning and seeing that number go up, even just by one. Like that's that's mm. huge motivation for a developer. Even if it goes, if it doesn't change, but I can see there was an add and a delete, like even that. Okay, mm-hmm. there's something happening. That that feels really yeah. good. So that's <laughs> the biggest way to support any indie developer is just even if you're mm. never gonna engage, just give them a follow. Um, yeah, we don't do a whole lot on YouTube, but I've been trying to post a little bit more there. Um, I think it's under the fall of Aether Station or Nipple and Bite. We're like the only ones that have done videos for the game so far. We've got a few influencers that have picked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a Discord. Love to chat about really anything. Um, the game, just game development or whatever's going on. Um, it's just kind of a casual Discord with like three people talking in it. So we'd love to have more people mm-hmm. hanging out there. Um, I think that's that's really it. Um, if you download the demo on Steam, there's links to our Discord and YouTube and Twitter accounts in there. Perfect. So all you have to do is go to Steam and the links are there. Yeah. But also, in any case, I'm going to put all of these links in the description of the episode, as I always do, so that people can check you out. Yeah, and yeah. just uh, if you if you want to follow Jake and what he's doing, just head to the description of this of this indie diary and uh, you'll be able to find all the relevant links there. But yeah. Uh, Again, there's nothing else that I could say to you, Jake. Thank you again for being an amazing guest today. I wish you all the best, really, truly, uh, with all that you want to do. You have some great dreams there, some great... uh, You say you don't have big aspirations, but, you know, simple aspirations can be big, Mm -hmm. too. 
Um, so I, I really do think that you're going to succeed. Right. And uh, yeah, best of luck. Thanks. And thanks for having me. It's been great. And I loved your previous episodes as well. So it's been fun <laughs> listening to all the other developers' insights that you've garnered on this podcast. And it's fun to be here. Thank you so much. And so, my friends, that's a wrap on another episode of the Indie Diarist podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Jake for being an amazing guest. I loved hearing your story. I loved hearing your motivation. And, you know, I do think that you're going to succeed. You've got the drive. You've got the ambition. You've got the aspirations, even though you don't think you do. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to see what you do next. Also, best of luck with uh, Heather Station. It's going to be such a beautiful game, I'm sure. So, if you enjoyed the episode, guys, please subscribe to the show because it means so much. You can find it everywhere, even on YouTube now, uh, starting, well, since January the 9th for the anniversary of the show. But also, I would love if you would leave, if you wanted to leave a rating, five stars, four stars, whatever you want. It pleases the algorithm and it helps the show so much. You can also go to patreon.com where you can join my amazing Patreons uh, to show me some more support or to theindiedires.com if you want want to uh, follow me on social media or join the discord channel so lastly as usual if you are an indie game developer yourself please get in touch i don't have a lot of slots available for the first half of the year but i'm going to find one for you later you can rest assured 